Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. Uh, man, I, just, I, I want to ask you a question. Has the Lord ever let you down? Has God ever promised something that he did not follow through on? Well, that's kind of weak. Amen. There you go. That's what I'm hearing. I mentioned last week, we started, uh, we started a series last week on who is Jesus. And it was a short message, an introduction, because we, ha we had a baptism. And wasn't that an amazing baptism? Uh, I don't know why, but everybody that I talked to about it, they all had tears in their eyes, and I did too. I normally don't get choked up on those things. I celebrate those things. And, and I was celebrating, but in my heart... I was just so overwhelmed by this little girl's infectious spirit that just wanted to love and follow Jesus. I guarantee you she doesn't know more than three or four scriptures, and yet the, the love of Christ was just pouring from her. And I love that. I mentioned last week that who is Jesus is the greatest question that you're ever going to answer in your life because it has more consequence on your life than any other question and all other questions combined questions and answers regarding your career or your finance or all the things pertaining to this life will advance you or pull you back in this life. But this question, who is Jesus? Getting it right has eternal implications. If you don't get it right, if you don't understand who he really is, it will make this life difficult and the one to come impossible but those of us that do get it right, that do understand who he is. We are the recipients of the blessings of the Lord. I, I watched a, a uh, little video this week, and it was a guy who was talking. He said he, he was eating dinner with uh, Michael Jordan. He knows Michael Jordan. And, and this other guy came up to him, and he said... Did you know who you're meeting with? Did you know who you're talking to? Did you know that he won six NBA championships in the 90s and, and went on and on and on about all these stats? And he said, no, I didn't. And he said there was an it, was, it was interesting to note that he knew everything about Michael Jordan, but he didn't know Michael Jordan. It's important for us as followers of Jesus not to just know about him. We need to know him. One of the greatest passages that I, that I found in the scripture regarding Christ is Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. And this is what it says. It says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. This was penned by the prophet Isaiah some 750 years before Christ ever came on the scene. And yet here he is, and he says, a child is going to be born unto us, and he is going to be called the mighty God, the everlasting Father. That's an oxymoron. How can you be the everlasting father if you have a place of birth? Kind of like those words that just kind of just don't go together, like jumbo shrimp. They just don't, make, they don't work. But Isaiah gives attributes to this child, speaking of Christ. And I can just see Isaiah wanting to write his name, and the, and, and the Lord never gives his name, but just gives the attributes. And every attribute that is assigned to this child is an attribute of Almighty God. Isaiah gives these attributes to this child that God alone possesses. Can a child be an everlasting father? And yet, he's prophesying of Christ. Paul goes on to explain it a little more in detail in Colossians 2.9. And this is what he says. For in Christ, in him, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. He is speaking about in Christ, dwells, inhabits, lives in, resides in every attribute. The fullness is, is a word taking like when a ship is getting ready to launch and it has all of its supplies, has all of its crew, it has all the soldiers, it has everything that's going to be in that ship is on that ship. And, it's, and that's what Paul is referring to, that that. In Christ, every attribute of God is in him. Fullness means complete. The deity, or Godhead, as some say, is the state of being God. The completeness of God, every attribute of God, abode, lived in, resided in, took up residence in Christ. The Jewish leaders in John chapter 10 wanted to kill Jesus, not for the works that he was doing, but in their own words, as a man, you have made yourself God. And the truth was, as God, he had made himself man. The Alpha series we're going through on, on Wednesday nights uh, the speaker on this on that third video was so powerful. Um, that 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 whole thing was powerful, but he made the statement that God didn't punish an innocent bystander for our sins, but laid His own life on the cross. Colossians 1:15 says this: He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. When you arrive in heaven the only way that you're going to see God is in the face of Jesus to see Jesus is to see the Father to see Jesus is to see the Holy Spirit for the fullness of God is in Christ and Christ displayed healing and forgiveness and power over death all of which are powers of God alone 
Let me give you an, an illustration. Uh, this week I was helping my granddaughter with geometry. God help us all. Uh, and we were looking at, and, and we've kind of watched the beginning of the year, and I know where they're going in the geometry, that they're going to, to get to the place where you start doing proofs. You remember those beautiful things? Where they say given, and you have to prove this, and you have to know all these other things. And there is a property in, ge in geometry called the reflexive property, and it simply means this, that if A equals B, then B equals A. If 4 plus 1 equals 5, then 5 equals 1 plus 4. It's, it's just basic. If this equals this, then you can flip them around. In, in regarding Christ, any attribute of the Father is an attribute of Christ. Any attribute of Christ is an attribute of the Father. So if God is love, then Christ is love because he is the visible image of the invisible God. If you wanted to see God in human form, you have to look at Christ. And if Christ is forgiving, then the Father is forgiving. And if the Father is forgiving, then Christ is forgiving. And as we approach the scripture today, I want to speak on an attribute of Christ that we see in the Father, that we see in the Old Testament, and we see it portrayed in Christ in the New Testament, and that is the attribute of Christ our protector. You ever been protected by God? Uh, Psalm 18:2 says this: "The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my Savior, in my God and is my rock, in whom I find protection." He is my shield, the strength of my salvation, and my stronghold. I don't know if you've ever walked through a difficult time in your life. Maybe, maybe you have. I know our country is walking through a difficult time. I know that churches walk through difficult times. I know families walk through difficult times. I know individuals walk through difficult times. But if you're looking for a place of refuge, if you're looking for a place of protection... It's found in Christ. How many of us have ever had a, a circumstance where, where you had a delay or a flat tire or something like that and it cost you and you were frustrated, you had to fix the tire and all that just to get down the road and realize that that, that 15 minutes it took you to change that tire probably kept you from the wreck that you just passed that happened about 15 minutes before. See, God is a protector of those that put their faith and trust in him. And the key element of trust in Christ is faith. Ephesians 6.16 says this, In every battle you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. I don't care who you are. I don't care which church you are. I don't care which nation you are, if you claim that you are uh, a, a citizen or you claim that you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, if you are pushing forward to advance the cause of Christ, if you are trying to live a godly life, the adversary is after you and he is trying to hit you with, with arrows that will destroy your life and the shield that protects you is faith knowing that that if god is for us who can be against us 
See, faith is one of those things, it's really easy to talk about. Really hard to live. Charles Blondin, in, in, the, in 1859, walked across Niagara Falls on a two-inch rope, 160 feet in the air, almost a quarter mile across. I couldn't walk on a two-by-four from this side of the pew to the other side 1.6 feet off the ground. Can you imagine walking on a two-inch rope one, almost a quarter of a mile, and it's 160 feet below. And then he walked across, came back across, walked across, even took a wheelbarrow and walked the wheelbarrow across and came back with the wheelbarrow. And as he came back and he got off, everybody was cheering him. He said, oh, that's so amazing, that's so great. And he said, hey, do you think that uh, I could push somebody across the, the Niagara in this wheelbarrow? And everybody said, yeah, I think you could. And he said, who wants to get in? See, faith is easy when we preach about it. Faith is easy when we talk about it. But when the Lord says, I want you to get in the wheelbarrow, and trust me that I'm going to take you from one side to the other. That's the challenging part. See, nations, churches, families, individuals will all have times when we, when we need Christ. And we're going to need Christ to move us from one side to the other. But Christ is not going to say, I'm going to throw you across. I'm not going to put you in a... Uh, in a jet and fly you across. I'm not going to let you walk all the way around. I'm going to put you in this little thing of faith and you're going to have to trust me that everything's going to be okay. Faith is more than speech. Faith is action. Standing on the principles of the word of God. In 1 Samuel 21, we find that, that David is fleeing for his life, that Saul is after him because God has anointed David king, and Saul is wanting to, to keep the kingdom for himself. And, and David is, is, is running for his life, and as he's running with his men, they don't have any weapons, they don't have anything with them at all, no food, no no anything and 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 they come across the a, a priest and he has he has set up the tent of the Lord and David asked them for food and they ate some of the bread off of the table of the Lord and he asked the priest uh, uh, what is his name Abiathar he said do you have any weapons he said man I don't have any weapons he said eh, except for the one the sword of Goliath. And it's behind the altar under the ephod of praise. And David said, there's no other sword like that one. You see, you have to remember that when David was a young man tending sheep, a lion came up 
and he defeated the lion protecting his father's sheep and another time a bear came up and and he defeated the bear protecting his father's sheep and then when he went to go see how his brothers were faring when the Philistines were fighting against Israel it was David that stood up with five stones and a sling and knocked down the giant and took the giant's own sword and cut off his head of his enemy I wonder as David looked at that sword which was definitely too big for him David being maybe 5'8", and Goliath a minimum of 9'6", I think Goliath's sword was pretty big. And here's David looking at that sword and watching it glisten in the sun. And I, I, I just wondering if David remembered walking by that little brook and picking up five stones because he didn't know if it was going to take him one time or two times. David was just ready for the battle. And when he slung that stone and it hit Goliath in one of the only spots on his body that wasn't protected in his forehead, and that Goliath fell to the ground, not dead, but stunned, David went over and took Goliath's sword cut off his head and then held it up to the children of uh, uh, the Philistines I wonder as David was looking at that stone if he could still feel the hot blood running down his arm of that victory that God gave him I wonder sometimes if we forget the things that 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 God has already delivered us from. My guess is that each and every one of us are living a, a prayer that you prayed in days past and God has already blessed it. I want you to look at your past victories to face your current challenges. I don't know what you're going through, but I do know this, that in every past victory, God will give you a token. He'll give you a sword. He'll give you something that you can look back on and say, yes, I remember walking through that difficult time. And yes, I remember when the, the armies were overwhelming, but I know that my God was faithful. Look at your past victories to face your current challenges. Years ago, uh, I was uh, pastoring a church in, in a little town called Rio Vista, California. And I was bivocational, so I was a principal of a school, of a Christian school, and we commuted an hour each way. Uh, they call those things bedroom communities in the Bay Area. Uh, we call that a week's travel here. Uh, we did it every, every day. Every day, five days a week, we did that. And, and uh, my oldest daughter, Miranda, she was at the University of California, I think in her second year. I can't remember. But she was going to help me. She was, I signed her up, and she was going to be my girl's PE teacher. And one night, um, she was staying late, and Nancy and I took the two little girls. Uh, that's what we used to call 
Jessica and Lauren was the little girls. It was Miranda and the little girls. And, and we had taken them home, and she was staying late because she was so excited about being this, the girls' PE teacher that she worked late that night painting and cleaning the girls' locker room so she could come in and have something new for them. Now, if you're, if you're familiar with the Bay Area and you know where Rio Vista is, it's out in the Delta, there's a long Highway 12, and it's just desolate. And Miranda was coming home that night, and, and uh, it was the only time in my entire life that when one of my kids were out that I decided to go ahead and go to sleep. And somewhere around 1 o'clock, we got a phone call from the police department and says, your daughter has been air flighted in to the, to the hospital in Sacramento and you need to come. So Nancy and I got in our car. Actually, we called some people in the church. They came over and stayed with Lauren and Jessica. Nancy and I took off for that hour drive not knowing exactly where the hospital was, not know this is the day this is before GPS and, and and cell phones and all of those amazing things we have now. And I was praying to God that a policeman would see me speeding and pull me over so he could get me there. But we get in to the hospital and the doctors begin talking to us and they said, uh, your daughter's been in a really bad accident, has lost a lot of blood. And she's got a, a 22-inch cut from the, from the front to the back of her head. And we walked through that difficult time wondering, well, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing in our lives? What are you, what are you trying to, uh, to get us to understand? And, and you walk through all these things of what have I done wrong? Have I done anything wrong? And you, and you go through this, this whole focus in your life of what am I, what is going on? And to be honest, you're at a point sometimes that you can't even pray. You ever been there? And I remember, I remember that and I, I remember, you know, being in the hospital and then the and it was just, you know, and we're wondering how is she is going to survive. And they said, we're going to have to shave her head to put in all these stitches. And, and I remember going in and seeing her, and there's glass everywhere. And I wondered what in the world was going on. And they took care of her that night. And the next day, we went to the salvage, the wrecking yard where they had towed her car. And I wasn't prepared for what I saw. I got a picture of it right here. The steering wheel was not on the floor, it was in the floor. 
Evidently, she had fallen asleep, came off on a gravel curb, and wrapped that car around a tree. If you saw it from the side, you would see where that tree, where that car just went straight into the tree. There is no way that anybody should have ever lived through that. And yet Miranda's here today. And when we were there, the tow truck driver said, you know, I've got to show you guys something. I've got to show you. He said, I have never seen this before in my entire life. And he said, I talked to all the police officers. They've never seen this before in all their life. I talked to the paramedics. I talked to everybody there. No one has ever seen this before in all of their years of service. They said, and he showed me this right here, this seatbelt. He said, I have seen them cut. I've seen them severed. But I've never seen them torn. And he says, I don't know how to explain it. And I looked at it. And to this day, you can still see a handprint where somebody grabbed it and ripped it. I truly am convinced, persuaded, that God dispatched an angel Now, not only do I have my daughter with me, I have an amazing son-in-law, and I have two amazing granddaughters, one that was singing praises to the Lord. And you say, well, that doesn't look like much. Perhaps Goliath's sword didn't look like much. But I look at this and I say, God is my provider. God is my protector. God never lets us down. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what your family is facing. I don't, I just doesn't matter. If God is on your side, if God is for you, who can be against you? What is your sword? What is your seatbelt? What do you have that you can look at and say, look what God has given to me? I'm going to ask our praise team to come. And I want to, I want to end this service in a little different fashion than what we normally do. Perhaps you're here And your family is just turned upside down. You've prayed for your children. You've prayed for, for your, your spouse. You've prayed for whomever in your family. And yet, you're struggling with understanding why they're not where you need them to be with the Lord. Maybe you're walking through a difficult time spiritually maybe you're walking through a time financially i don't know everybody's problems everything that we're facing 
But I do know this, that God is a God that provides. That Christ is one that you can trust. And he's encouraging us today for us to earn our sword. For us to earn our own seatbelt. For us, all of us, collectively and individually, to get in the wheelbarrow and trust that he knows what he's doing. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. And here's what I would like to do. In just a moment, I'm going to give each and every one of you an opportunity, no matter what you're facing or what you're walking through. Maybe a family member is walking through something difficult. I want to give you an opportunity to just give it to the Lord. As we sing, I'm going to invite you to come. If you have nothing going on in your life and you're praising the Lord, you can consider yourself dismissed at that point. But we won't have a closing other than a time of prayer. And you can come and pray for five minutes or for five hours. I don't care. But the greatest thing is that you walk away and you earn one of these by getting in the wheelbarrow and trusting God. Father, we thank you today. Different sermon, different message, but Lord, we acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. That you are the one that's in control of all things in our lives. You're in control of this church. You're in control of our families. You're in control of this nation. You're in control of everything and we ask today that no matter what we're walking through that we would trust in you so today Lord as a sign of our faith in you we are gathering together and saying Lord you alone you alone can provide but you are the provider you alone can, can protect but you are the protector so, Lord, we ask today, as we cast our cares on you, for we know you care for us, that you would pour out your favor and blessing upon each that is willing to step out in faith. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. As they're singing, if you feel compelled, please come. If not, you are dismissed in the name of the Lord.